Hey folks, let's spend some time with friends up north. Pat Kreitlow of Up North News is on Lake Wissota. Sarah Yacoub of the Manaqua Brewing Company Super Pack is on the Mississippi River. And up on Lake Manaqua is Kirk Bangstead of the Manaqua Brewing Company. Wherever you are, welcome. You're up north. Hello, everyone. This is Kirk Bankstead, and welcome to the Up North Podcast. Uh, I'm from the Manaqua Brewing Company, and Sarah, where are you from, my dear? I am also from the Manaqua Brewing Company Super Pack, getting into some good trouble. One of the news stories we're not going to do right off the top uh, is the Brewers, because it's it's done. I don't know what happened. Very fun season, but uh, then there was this... Uh, crash and burn situation uh Kristen Yelich still hitting as if his kneecap was broken Sarah you're sitting on a broken kneecap or something over there too right so maybe you have some hitting advice for yep, the, the struggle is real the struggle mm-hmm. is very real yep uh, and uh and, and Kirk uh, we're still explaining you know the rules of baseball not being a sports guy himself here but we yeah does baseball team does baseball Brewers. mean you got to hit like high notes every now and then, like oh. like a tenor's do an opera, or what, as a, what is that? As a literal brewer, as a Seveseros yourself, you know you you would you should be following this more closely. But now you, I have all winter to to teach you the ways <laughs> of a nine inning game. Uh, it was a another you know nice weekend in Wisconsin for for uh, fall colors. Uh, I was um, privileged enough, I guess you could say, to to drive all across. Uh, the northern third of the state, uh, way out to Pembine for a nephew's wedding. And uh, I mean, you, you guys know when you drive up and down the state, it's, it's, it's like a, a color thermostat, but instead of the mercury going up and down, it's the level of oh, fall yeah. colors uh, or making the drive to between Chippewa Falls and Madison. And so, what the cool thing that is. And Kirk, you're doing a lot of driving lately. So, well, before I talk about that, Pat, like, you know, Pembine is the home of that famous resort. We were talking yeah. about this earlier. The Four Seasons Resort. That's where we were. Yeah. I mean, it's been around forever, right? 19, 1925 is when the current version was was built. And nice folks out there. Uh, obviously, they're going through the same uh, labor shortage as, as a lot of folks. Um, so they, <laughs> they could definitely, you know, use some, some, some more hands there, but the ones that were there, uh, took really great care of us. And, uh, like I said, it was just good to, to get out and about. I don't know either one of you two making any, any road trips in the, in the past or in the future here before the snow starts flying. Pat, I'm unfortunately driving South. I'm trying to, I'm trying to get the beer, uh, distributed in Chicago. Cause Believe it or not, a lot of these Illinois folks know that their votes don't count a whole lot for uh, presidential elections. So they're uh, they're they're trying to help and they're trying to donate to the super PAC and buy, they want to buy some beer. And so I'm trying to get some stuff going on down there. But it's a uh, it's not nearly as fun driving in uh, on highway like 90. No, Chicago. Chicago driving, not known, Sarah, for its fall colors. <laughs> Well, and uh, my bonus daughter is going to state for singles tennis tomorrow, so I get to tag along and um, gently clap uh, quietly. So go Hudson. Uh, We're super excited about that, but headed down to Madison ourselves. Good deal. it, it, But plus, you're just you're just off the uh, the St. Croix or the Mississippi there. So, I mean, you you get the complete theater of seasons in front of you there. 
equipped with the um, the bald eagle flying overhead. It's just incredible. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, uh, people sometimes ask, do you ever want to take like a, a, a cruise to Alaska? I always tell them no, because everything you see it here, it gets cold here. You see eagles here. You will see a bear here. It's like, eh, you know, <laughs> without cruise ship prices. Uh, the big news of the day, unfortunately, is still the, the pandemic. And the, the still the ongoing mystery as to why there are people who don't care enough to want to keep our kids safe. And we actually have a special focus today on a single school district. We'll hear from both a parent and a teacher in Fall Creek and tell you what the Monaco Brewing Company Super PAC is doing to try to help keep kids safer in Fall Creek and across Wisconsin when we come back. You're up north. back to the Up North podcast. I'm Sarah Yacoub. And I'm Kirk Bankstead. And, and I'm Pat Kreitler. That was a good uh, good choice of music out of you, Kirk. Teach your children well. Seems to work out well for this uh, segment. We are going to explain more in detail in just a bit. First, we want to we thank our uh, radio hosts here at News Talk 92.7 in Madison, our broadcast home every Wednesday evening at 7. You can use the Devil Radio app to catch our show or any of the fine programs here on the home of Devil's Advocates Radio. As a podcast, you can catch us on the weekends at our website, upnorthpodcast.com, and all of the usual places where you can subscribe and listen to us. Uh, so Sarah, Kirk, you guys have been busy. Um, trying to trying to help us teach the children well and keep them safe. Uh, so only a week after filing a lawsuit in the federal court for Eastern Wisconsin against the Waukesha School District for neglecting pandemic safeguards, a new case has been filed in the federal court for Western Wisconsin, Kirk. Yeah. And uh, so we, um, you know, we put out a big, huge, you know, kind of like if you're a parent and your kid has, you know, gotten COVID or you're really worried about this, like talk to us. Uh, and so, um, cause we want to help you out. So we're, that we're funding the lawsuit. Um, but, uh, and our lawyer, Fred Melms is kind of, uh, dealing with the plaintiffs. And so, uh, we've, we've, we found a, a wonderful plaintiff in, uh, in the Western, uh, us circuit court district. And Sarah is gonna tell us all about her. Joining us now is Gina Kildall of Fall Creek, a community, a community located pretty close to Eau Claire. Gina, we appreciate you being here. Can you give us a little background on what's happening in Fall Creek and what caused you to want a court to take action to protect your son and your family? Um, there's a lot happening in Fall Creek right now. Um, a lot of upset in our town, I would say. It's a very small town of 1100 to 1400 people. Um, and I've lived here for close to 20 years. I have adult children as well as my seven year old and they've all gone to school in Fall Creek and I've enjoyed being here in the school district. However, um, I have been emailing our superintendent since the beginning of the year and asking for masking um, when kids started being sent home, I sent a very long email to both the superintendent and the school board asking them to mask and basically citing a lot of things from the school board website and then from the CDC and our public health department in Eau Claire County. And I basically just got the response of, well, other schools aren't doing it. And a lot of parents are happy that we're not doing it. So we're not going to do it. 
And to be honest, I felt like being a mom and saying, if your friends jumped off a bridge, would I you would, do it too? Saying you. that <laughs> other school districts Dang. aren't masking is not a good excuse to not keep our kids safe. Right. Why? So, well, let's let's jump ahead to the uh, the decision to to file a lawsuit. Clearly, that's a big step. That that means mm-hmm. you, you need a court to step in and do something. Um, yes. Why make that decision, and and then tell us what you hope a court will do. Honestly, I came to the decision. Um, I had seen someone had actually sent me the post on Facebook about you know if your kids have COVID. My aunt had sent that to me. Um, because my son had been sent home as a close contact and I had contacted one of his friend's mothers or I guess she contacted me saying her son had just tested positive for COVID and she was really angry and um, I had given her the information and she basically said because her husband owns a small business she couldn't because it's a very close-knit community and they would lose their business. You're putting, you're putting yourself out there when you want to take. Right. Right. And, um, and it's not that I don't like the people in the community, but I'm not afraid of the people in the community. Well, and you should, you shouldn't be, because again, it's it's about, this is about safety boys and girls. (laughs) This is, this is not kind of a radical notion, Kirk. Yeah. And so so Gina, there's something that is, you know, you're part of the healthcare community, right? I mean, you you have lived yes. and breathed uh, the science behind COVID. Can you tell us kind of what your background is and why you kind of probably know a little bit more about sure. you know, I, COVID and health than other people? Sure, do? I'm not a medical professional. I, yeah. I work in appointing for a local clinic. However, I will say that I volunteer, I get paid, but I volunteer to give extra hours on the weekend patient sitting which includes sitting with people who are older, who maybe have dementia or something and cannot be left by themselves or people who are suicidal. And you see all of this. And my company right now is going through a mat or not a mass mandate, a um, vaccine mandate, you know, and I do have friends that I work with that are also against that. But I work in a neurology department and we have people coming in who have brain fog and other symptoms that are lasting months and months and months after COVID. And I, one thing that comes to mind is I had one patient come in and she was really grumpy. And I had said something to the doctor's assistant. I said, man, this one that's coming in is a little bit ouchy, you know, and (laughs) she told me afterwards, she said, you know, she, had COVID and her husband was calling an ambulance for her because she was not doing well. And while they were picking her up, he collapsed and she was on a ventilator for several weeks. And when she woke up, her husband had passed away. That is heartbreaking. And that that's happening. Right. All over in so many different ways. This is again, the, that we have to keep explaining this is, is mind boggling. This is not happening just to people in their eighties in nursing homes. There are, there are children who are getting very sick and dying. Mm -hmm. There are young people in, in the prime of their life. This virus is still new. We're still learning the ways that it works while it's this new, you would want to take every possible precaution. And yet we have school districts 
who, not all of them, obviously, but we have school districts with a, a mentality, a, a lot like you said, well, we, we don't want to rock the boat when right. your primary job is the, is the safe education of your children, Sarah. And you know, you know that, Sarah, as a parent, that, that should be the prime directive. And anybody not doing that should be considered the outliers, not somebody trying to actually get something done. Right. And Gina, what's your take on sort of the breakdown in the community? Is it a silent majority that's living their lives that wants competence from the local school board or with a really loud minority? Or do you think, you know, you're, you're working with a community with majority of people who don't fully understand what's going on with COVID? I think that it's a very conservative community. Um, and I will say, you know, my husband's grandparents have owned a farm here since the 60s but if you weren't born here and if you say fall creek instead of fall creek you don't belong <laughs> that is that is the tell and and i was i was going to mention that earlier and, on right and you know my kids have been i we brought my oldest daughter is 24 and she started here in second grade and i have two boys that from kindergarten all the way up to graduating we're in the Fall Creek schools and they have lots of teachers that I loved. And the superintendent that we have now, I'm extremely disappointed in his response to me. And I'm extremely disappointed that he hasn't done this, but overall for the school, he has done great things, which is, it's so mind boggling to me. You know, he's, he's been connecting with students on social media and connecting with parents. And he's this wonderful person who, you know, I've looked up to in the past, I've watched his YouTube videos and I've thought, wow, we're really lucky to have him, but just, I don't understand the breakdown. It's not just masking. We used to have to go on to Skyward every morning and, you know, say whether or not our kids had symptoms that's gone too. And I just, I don't understand when this is more serious for children this year than it was last year. They are more susceptible. Why are they not protecting our kids? And I don't understand why parents are so angry about the thought of protecting their kids. Why don't you want to protect your children? Exactly. I guess well, I'm, I'm baffled all over. <laughs> you, you bring up such a, an interesting point when you said, you know, it's a conservative community. I'm a California transplant. I used to be a DA. A lot of my favorite judges and bosses were actually very conservative Republicans. My dogs agree. Um, <laughs> But this idea that being conservative means that you're anti-science or you're anti-health of your children is not something I'm familiar with. I, I know very smart conservatives. So the, this right. idea that being conservative in Wisconsin is synonymous with you're not taking COVID yeah, this seriously. Is, this, isn't, this isn't conservative. No. It really isn't. Conservative right. is, is, is more about fiscal and it may be about values. And those values... The, the values that I think most of us know about, you know, from the conservative end of things was about safety and security. And there's no, nothing more about safety and security than making sure your kids and your kids' families, you know, don't get sick and die. Uh, right. <laughs> and personal responsibility and taking right. and being responsible for your choices and wearing a mask and being, yeah, no, I, I get it. Gina, when do you think things shifted uh, with, was it with the school board? Uh, was it, you know, from the, all the mitigation stuff you did last year? Because, you know, I think there was a concerted effort by like conservative groups to change the minds of people, but, but you've, you went through it. 
And so when do you right. think the mindset shifted and why do you think that happened? I think so many people are focused on the fact that masks take away their freedom. And I think that has been just spouted so many places. And I mean, last year, the entire election season was crazy. And I think there's been a disconnect. There are good people who I knew that just completely almost, it seemed like they joined a cult and yeah, now anything in the way, right. Yeah. Anything that isn't, I, I guess I don't even know what to say. No, a, a lot of us don't because again, when you have one failed leader looking to cover up for that and enough people right. who will listen, you have politicized a pandemic, a phrase I never thought right. I would use in my entire life, Kirk, that, you know, yeah. well, I'll, I'll play politics about almost anything, right? Not, not the, not public health, not the general safety of our no. children. So Kirk, you, I, I want to ask you from a, a Monaco Brewing Company, super PAC standpoint, supporting lawsuits like this, let's get back to the legal part of it for a moment. What is it that, that judges are being asked to do in these two federal district courts? So, um, from my from my understanding, uh, we're hope we're first trying to get judges from both districts. But what we're talking to Gina now, so we'll talk about the Western District to uh, to have a temporary restraining order against not only the Fall Creek School Board, but that restraining order inclu includes all schools in the Western District that are not providing the CDC recommended COVID mitigation protocols. And if we get that temporary restraining order, then it'll force all school districts to do the right thing and do what they were doing last year. So that would be a huge win for us, even though it's a bit of a Hail Mary because federal judges often don't like to kind of like create law you know, in a temporary restraining order type of way. And um, yet so, it, it's hardly yeah. unprecedented to, to want to, you know, again, it's just, why are we still doing this? Talking about, you know, protecting well, people. And that's something that, uh, that, that courts do actually have the power to do. That's true. And the one thing I wanted to ask Gina, cause I haven't talked to you about it, but I've gone through this in the last few days. I mean, this, this, uh, this lawsuit has made national news because people i think news outlets so many of them are like why wasn't this happening earlier why weren't we taking anti-maskers and anti-science people who were endangering their communities take to court and so i wanted to ask you gina what who have you who have you talked to so far and and you know has is it is it overwhelming to you what the it's experience that you've had it's extremely overwhelming i would say so it was just CNN yesterday morning so far. Um, and then you're I think, on CNN. Yes, I know, which is <laughs> insane. When Fred called me and said, Hey, do you want to be on CNN? I was like, what are you talking about? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So yeah. And, um, but do you feel like it's it by, by doing that, by, by bringing up the lawsuit, by going through the conflict, do you get that you're actually providing hope? To people around the country that finally, after over a year of this ridiculousness, that some sanity is being restored and that that we're understanding the science works, the masks work, vaccine works. Do, do you feel like that's that's helping to make a difference slowly? 
In some cases, yes. I've been a little bit torn about it. I've had a lot of people in Fall Creek, I guess, messaging me and attacking me and saying, you're in this to become famous or you're in this for money. And all the way to do it. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's what I'm like, not a red cent, but. Um, yeah, let's get this straight. Neither Gina nor the Monaco Brewing Company are suing for damages. We're suing to get the school board to do the right thing. Right. And, but I will say, um, I have a lot of family that has been really happy. There is a group in Eau Claire who has been in contact with me. They were a Facebook group. I completely shut off my Facebook because things oh, were so yeah. nasty that I said, I'm not going to respond to people. Okay. I'm just walking away from it. Yeah. Um, As you should. I had a lot of young people mm -hmm. in Fall Creek find me and message me. Good. And, um, and you know, we saying, to... we stand with you. You're doing the right thing. Well, hey, welcome back to The Cabin. This is the Up North Podcast, heard live on Wednesday nights on the radio and on the weekends, wherever you find your new favorite Wisconsin podcast. I'm Pat Kreitlow, along with Sarah Yacoub and Kirk Bankstead. Sarah? In our last segment, we had the honor of hearing from a parent in Fall Creek who is courageously going to bat for all of our kiddos. And now we're going to segue into the professional pitfalls facing our teachers and our schools in this pandemic. So uh, thanks, Sarah. So it's not impossible to create safe environments for learning. I mean, it takes a little work and a little compassion, but it's not impossible. And a lot of teachers um, have reached out to me and ha have said, thank you so much for, for taking some of these school boards to court because we are in danger as well. Um, and the school districts, when they are kind of being overrun uh, with these anti-maskers, aren't thinking about the teachers. And, uh, and so, so uh, we're going to introduce uh, Tasha in a second, but check this out. This is her story, and I want to hear more from you, Tasha. But what, when, I, when I heard this, I was like, oh, we got to get her on the show because she had a newborn baby. She was faced with uh, potentially having to teach in front of uh, some, you know, people get kids getting COVID, uh, kids under the age of one are very susceptible to anything. Uh, and so seemingly her school district gave her the option to either do teach in front of, you know, kids who might be getting COVID who could have passed on COVID to her or resign and not. And so she was forced to resign and not only did she resign, but now they're trying to collect $3,000 from her. Uh, because of a breach of contract because she didn't finish out her her contract. Uh, I thought that was just crazy. So 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 Tasha, what did I miss? Oh, and then also joining us is uh, Brad LaPointe, who was the principal uh, uh, in Fall Creek, and he retired last year, but he has been helping Tasha kind of navigate this crazy system, uh, this crazy kind of turn of events for her. So so Tasha, let's get your story first, and then let's talk to Brad and see what you see what he has to say. Hi, thanks for having me. I um, originally went in hoping I could get some additional unpaid leave um, in order to maybe teach until I could maybe get vaccinated or until it was safer to return to school. 
And I was denied several times for unpaid leave. I took several other routes um, to see what I could do to try to protect myself and protect my family. And all of those additional routes were denied to me. Um, I think the hardest part is knowing that if I was to teach in several schools around the area that they would have approved that um, additional unpaid leave and allowed me to stay home where it was safe um, and then allowed me to return when it was better for me to return to school. So Tasha, so first of all, let me remind everybody, you said unpaid leave. It's not like you were correct. asking for any extra money while you were taking some more time off with your newborn who was uh, potentially at high risk. Uh, could you tell us when this happened? Because this, this, we're talking about Fall Creek still, and we take, we're taking you know, the school board to court now, but when did this happen to you and related to the COVID outbreak? This happened in the 2020-2021 school year, so last school year. Okay. And you're, teach you're teaching now, though, not, but not in Fall Creek, right? Correct, yep. In, in Augusta, right next door. Yes, right, right again, down the road. There, you know, districts that uh, would would make accommodations and, and and things like that. And Brad, you you are the uh, re retired you are a retired principal from uh, Fall Creek, uh, and so you've been observing this. And look, Tasha, you know, this is Tasha Newton that we're talking to here, former teacher in Fall sure. Creek, and Brad. It's not just Tasha; it's it's school districts across the state and across the country that. Uh, appear to have a, a, a they've very much struggled with safe learning environments which as we said at the top of the segment it's not impossible to have safe learning environments but brad do you feel like some of these school districts weren't weren't working hard enough to try to uh, make sure that that kids teachers staff and their families stayed safe you know pat here, here's the thing I think every parent sends their child to school with the expectation that their uh, their student will be cared for, their student will be safe, they'll be in a great learning environment. The thing that absolutely boggles my mind is that as a nation, we're willing to spend millions of dollars uh, to prevent school shootings, yet somehow we're going to let um, a, a deadly killer in the front door and by the way, you don't have to wear a mask either. Just come right in the front door. And we already know that kids have died from COVID. So, I, I mean, the measures that we've taken for school shootings, the money that's been spent, and somehow in that story of safety, we're going to turn our backs on it now. It doesn't make sense to me. I, I just don't, I don't get it. I, I mean, I have my theories, but I, I just don't understand so for sure. Brad, what, what did you try to do uh, to help Tasha navigate this? Did you try to fight on her behalf with the school board or who was making the decisions not to, not to allow her to take this unpaid leave? Well, I mean, when I found out about it, you know, I, I, um, what happened is that somebody called the Augusta school district called me and was looking for an art teacher. And I said, well, I have to know one. Um, and, <laughs> And I, I want to say this, that I kind of had to talk, and Tasha, uh, I hope, would agree with me, that I think she was in a place where she was really, really sad. She started in Fall Creek teaching. She got, bought a house, started a family. She was where she wanted to be. And then, I mean, and she was teacher, art teacher of the year. Um, and it was, I just, I couldn't understand I mean, any administrator, no matter what business you're in, wants to keep the very best people you have. 
and to let one of the very best people you have go, even though she made every provision to kind of make it work, they still said no. And I, you know, I reached out to the superintendent, but at that point, I didn't get any kind of response whatsoever. And it was more like uh, Tasha and I ended up talking to the school attorney. Um, I, I've been trying to navigate this as much as I can. Uh, it, it turns out that this is kind of a, a critical moment, I believe, for Tasha, because I am not an attorney. I, I do know school law. I don't know contract law. I have been researching it, but um, I just don't know how you let the art teacher of the year walk out of your building, and, and, you know, with the ultimatum, either you work or you quit. And, and here's the thing, too. She's a teacher, do you want your children to go to school and be taught by somebody that loves and cares about kids? And yet she's going to turn her back on her own family. I, it, it makes no sense. It's just mind boggling. I, I, I just don't know what to say. I'm kind of like Gina. It's like, I like Joe. He's a nice guy. I just don't know what the hell's going on here. You know? Well, and you know, this idea that as a community, they wouldn't support a young mother or protect this baby is just baffling on so many levels. But, you know, Tatasha, um, what do you think some of the barriers are to sanity, if you will, or, you know, the schools being able to be reasonable? Um, because your story is not normal. It's not fair. It's not right. Why are they getting, why are we getting this wrong? Um, I think the biggest thing, the biggest response I got from my um, administration as to why they wouldn't allow this is because it's they had actually denied two moms before that were asked for additional unpaid leave. So if they would allowed me, then that then it would have been unfair for those moms which were denied it. Again, that was not during a pandemic, um, um, but. <laughs> And then also they think that that's what's best for students, but I'm confused as to why it would be best for students to take a new mother that is not prepared to return to work, that is mentally and physically unprepared to return to work and putting her in front of children and having their children's safety in her hands is what's best for kids because I am always considering what is best for kids. And I personally can tell you that is not what's best for kids whatsoever. It just it fits right in with what we're seeing, again, not just in Wisconsin, but across the country, and I don't have the figure in front of me, the number of women who have left the workforce, and not, not often, you know, voluntarily, but because of circumstances that uh, raise, you know, ranging from an unsafe workplace to expensive and hard to find childcare, uh, to healthcare concerns, um, and of course, everything that's that's with the pandemic. We have so many mothers who are not in the workforce who would like to be in the workforce, but who know, uh, Sarah, to, to, to borrow a nickname of yours, a mama bear, uh, who know that, that care and safety are, are going to come first. So I guess, Tasha, I, I, I'm wondering if you see any, any turning of the corner on this. And in our last segment, we talked to a parent who is, uh, you know, helping bring suit to try to get a court to force these school districts, uh, you know, to embrace pandemic safeguards. So maybe part of that legal backlash is turning a corner, but from the, the folks that you talk to both professionally and in, in the communities of Fall Creek and Augusta, do you see any sign of a turning of a corner toward people understanding the, 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 the foolishness of 
not trying to do everything we can to end this pandemic? Um, I think where I currently am, the administrators are doing everything in their ability to make sure that we, the teachers, are as safe as possible. They're providing booster clinics for teachers that are choosing to get vaccinated can get boosters now. Um, and they're really pushing and making it as safe as environment with, that, what, with what the board will allow. Um, so I feel much safer in that environment. Um, but here in Fall Creek, I, um, I'm not sure what's going on. So let me just postulate on what I think is going on, uh, Tasha. Uh, and what I think is going on is there's been this strident uh, uh, kind of drumbeat of uh, a that COVID isn't real. You know that one point one percent of kids die from it, and that means that we shouldn't we shouldn't even think about it, even though they will become vectors through which the virus spreads to the community. I think there's just a huge lack of empathy, uh, and 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 let's 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 like and I'm gonna put my political hat on. I mean, the entire Republican Party seemingly has just thrown empathy into the garbage, and you if you can't empathize with a with a mother of a newborn during a pandemic, if you if you have to like think about your 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 rule that says well we didn't grant this last time and now now that you've been forced to resign. And seemingly you were the best art teacher of the year. You're forced to resign. Let's we haven't even talked about this, but they're coming after you for three thousand bucks now because you didn't you didn't you know, fulfill your contract after they forced you to resign like like that to me is not only I mean, it's a lack of empathy. It's a I'd, hateful I'd say Kirk, lack of I, empathy. Kirk, I think I'd take it one step further uh, that it, it's it's a lack of empathy in the pandemic, but add to it. And Brad, I want your two cents on this what was far beyond a lack of empathy, it was outright hostility toward teachers that has dated back over 10 years now. Um, yeah. And that hostility of seeing teachers as something uh, to, to be, well, just to be treated badly uh, gets that much worse in a pandemic, Brad. I'm, I'm sure you've seen that over the past decade. Well, absolutely. And, you know, I'm sure you're referring to um, uh, back with Scott Walker. Um, you know, if Walk Creek's a small community, let me make this perfectly clear. I love the school. I love the kids. I love the parents, uh, the staff there. Um, but, and in that small community, generally speaking, you wouldn't see any of what we're talking about right now, except for the pandemic. And, and I can tell you this, it got real real for me. My wife and I both retired and her dear friend, Warren Bowlby, retired with her. And three months after his retirement, he he got COVID and he passed away, mm -hmm. which was absolutely devastating for my life. Falls, yes, yeah. Yeah, and, and so that changed our lives, right? We, we, we had planned on getting back in the schools and maybe subbing for fun, but that all of that changed. And I we talked about, again, doing it this year, but it's just that everything is so lax now that it's more unsafe now than it was a year ago. So I, I, I know what you're talking about. I think, I, I think social media has a way of making people more bold than they would be if they were in person. Um, and sometimes it turns out who can shout the loudest or who, mm -hmm. who, who can show up to a school board and show how angry they are. And we're going to change this and so on and so forth instead of, 
what happened to empathy? What happened to civility? I mean, do we have, you know, and I, I realize there's two sides, but can't we just get together and, and work together again in some capacity? I mean, uh, you know, this thing with uh, the Kildaw family and Tasha, just that's not the Fall Creek I know. And, and I'm sure if you were to talk to other people in that community at the school, they may, may say, yeah, that it doesn't seem right. So mm -hmm. it, it's, it's a hard thing. I do believe this too, and I don't want to take up too much time. I think that this is a perfect forum for people to speak out and the, the silent majority may, may have to start voicing their opinion. Thank you, Brad. Appreciate that. Yeah, yeah. Well, thank you, Tasha. Thank you, Brad, for joining us. It really has been a pleasure. Keep, keep up the awesome work. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you yeah. for having us. Thank you both so much. Uh, we'll take our final break and then we'll start to wrap things up here as part of the Up North podcast. All right, welcome back to the Up North podcast. I'm Kirk Bankstead. And I'm Sarah Yacoub. And I'm Pat Kreitlow. And uh, Sarah, we want to wrap up the show here because we, we frankly, we've, we've had such great guests the past few weeks. We haven't really been able to talk a lot amongst ourselves. And I, I think especially with this show, with hearing from a teacher, hearing from a parent, hearing from a former principal, um, it's time we started hearing more from the mama bears. And I had noticed that you even put that in your email address. And so I thought we should take some time to basically describe the state of Wisconsin mama bears in late 2021. Uh, as we, again, I've said it before, but I, I, I want to think that we are slowly, but definitely turning a corner and the people who just said, well, this craziness will will end and it appears not to be so they're realizing they have to speak up they have to fight back they have to go to court if need be and, and that to me is uh probably has something to do with with that mama bear mentality i didn't move to wisconsin thinking i was going to get into politics or um put a target on my back or you know get into good trouble even um but i found myself in a position that i wanted a stronger better community for my kids and uh, when I ran for state assembly, the question is, well, why run? And my answer kept coming back to my children. I want a better place for my kids, for all kids, really. So that that was the birth of the mama bear. Um, while I can't speak for for all Wisconsin mama bears, but I can say, you know, we all know what it means to love and want to protect our children, and that's something that transcends partisan politics. So while we may not agree on what it means or how to love and protect our children, there are certain things that we should be able to agree on. And, you know, as we finish up, just one example, you know, I, I forget who said it, but I may not like what you have to say, but I will defend to the death your right to say it. Um, chime in if you, if anyone remembers, but, um, you know, that's my take on the First Amendment. Now, having been said, the second we have protesters at our kids' schools, you're going to see my inner mama bear, maybe my mama badger, uh, come out because get the heck away from my kids. You know, they don't make the rules. It's not up to them whether they wear a mask. And, you know, putting that stress and that anxiety on them on their first day of school even, um, or even for the older kids. I mean, encouraging them to be defiant of authority, to be antisocial in their behavior is just bad policy all around and you know regardless of what side of the issue you fall on to uh, I would hope we can all agree 
we shouldn't put partisan political issues on the shoulders of our kids. Um, we all want a safe environment for our kids at school. And you know, if you have a disagreement, take it to the school board, take it to the people who are making the decisions, but don't you dare come near our kids with those protests because that's not fair to them. So uh, that's my two cents uh, on Wisconsin mama bears. I, uh, I love that. And I, I never thought about, I mean, I kind of a little bit, I never thought about it from that point of view where, you know, like are parents really telling their kids that if their teachers say, or if their school, if their community or county says, you got to put a mask on if you're under 11 uh, years old, if you haven't been vaccinated, are they telling their kids not to obey their teachers or their principals? So I mean, that's crazy, right? Like that's like opposite right. of what raising a, like teaching your children the right way is all about. Right. Well, and the manifestation I've seen is in school board meetings where you'll have a parent get up and say, I let my kids choose. And they describe the child who wears the mask as meh. And then they glorify the kid who chooses not to wear a mask in the presence of the kids. So, you know, guess which one is my favorite. And so it, it's really gross. Um, to watch and to to see the harm done to these kids, um, to see them pulled into it. So instead of it being a rule that we all have to follow, you know, eat your vegetables because you have to, now it's, you know, what are the cool kids doing? And should we do it or should we not? And which club do I want to be in? And what does it say about my politics? And now it's suddenly become an identity crisis for a bunch of teenagers who already have enough on their plate. I mean, youth suicide is through the roof in a way that is just horrifying. And we are just making it worse with this idea that, you know, masks are some sort of political football, which they're not. It's a function of basic safety. Here's where things to me have really gone off the rails. When you see this kind of, it's, it's well beyond bad behavior. It's, it's toxic behavior, literally. And from the, unfortunately, from the early moments of this pandemic, um, only in its very early stages, did we think we had a sense of unity that we were all in this together? And while obviously I'm not, you know, old enough to have been a, a part of the World War II generation, I, my grandparents were. We, you know, we heard a lot of the stories about how a country came together to face a common foe, had to make sacrifices, way tougher sacrifices than being asked to stay indoors and watch Netflix so that you don't spread a virus. And instead of that. We, we have become a, you know, a nation torn because sacrifice is too much to ask of, of a selfish few, a selfish, loud few who would rather, you know, damn everybody around them to illness uh, and death rather than have to come together to do what people in other countries have, have done for some time. Kirk, I've left all of 15 seconds to get your final thoughts in. Yeah, I, I agree with you wholeheartedly, Pat. And I just want to say, as a Christian, and if you're Jewish or Muslim, it's we, we've all learned in our religious faiths that we should remove the R's and the D's and think about helping each other in our communities. That's what we should be focused on right now. Amen to that, Kirk. Thank you so much. Uh, thanks, Sarah. And thank you for joining us up north. We'll see you next week. Lord, Lord, Lord. Won't you let me die? Oh
I'm a die. 